them. Uh, my wife is like four rows up. You can stand up. Right there. We got the purple sweaters today. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with a guy wearing a purple sweater, you know. Uh, but my wife and I, we lead the singles uh, ministry within the church, and it's something we're, we're extremely grateful for, something we, we, uh, we love serving. And so uh, hopefully everyone had a great uh, Thanksgiving weekend. And one of the great things about Thanksgiving weekend, you got the, you know, the food, and then you got the food, and you got football, and you have the family and friends. And ho- hopefully you guys had a great Thanksgiving weekend. And um, even got Black Friday. I don't know how many guys, how many guys did Black Friday this? A couple people did Black Friday. And so uh, today we're, we're, we're part four of a series uh, called Starting Point. And if you haven't been here, Starting Point, you know, when... Before we were, uh, once upon a time, before we were, didn't know anything, or before we were, knew anything at all, we, we, we were told, here, this, believe this. And it was probably our, our, our mom or our dad or one of our parents or grandparents or someone who told us, spoon-fed us just to believe this stuff. And you're like, okay, I'll just believe it. And so, of course, I believe there's like a Santa Claus and Tooth Fairy because this is what I've been told since I was little. Of course, I believe there's a Jesus. And then before you know it, somewhere along the way, uh, for many of us, not all of us, but for many of us, there, there's this gap of what we've been told as, as children and what we experience as adults. And, and we respond to this gap in one or two ways. We can either respond to it as like, well, this is what I believe and this is what I've been told I'm going to believe and this is a tradition and someone comes along the way and it tells us, hey, well, believe this. And you're like, well, no, 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 you know, uh, I believe this. Well, well, don't Jews believe this or don't Muslims or Christians believe this? And you're like, no, no, I don't want to look at what you're saying. I don't want to see what you're saying. I don't want you to undermine my faith. And so some of us respond in that way. I just need to have faith in what I've been taught as when I was younger. Other, others of us, we respond in a different way. We, we look at our, what we're told as children and we look at the reality of things, and we're like, whoa, there's this gap. I don't know if I can believe anymore. And so what do you do with that? And so there's this huge disparity of what we've been told as children and, and what the real world is like. And through this, this series, starting point, we, we want to you know, take away the, the, the childhood kind of stories or things that we believed and have an adult starting point. And to start over again, what would it look like to have a, a, a new starting point as an adult? And, and to ask those fundamental questions and have those fundamental questions answered. And so we're here in part four of this series. And, and so uh, today what we're going to talk about is the role of rules. The, the role of rules. See, in every religion, there's these things called pesky rules, Right? And there's always a rule maker, and we don't get to be the rule maker for some reason. And so, but there, there's all these rules that we're somehow that we're running up against. And so, you, you, for instance, you have like the pillars of Islam. You, you have the, the, the Ten Commandments. You, you have the Sermon on the Mount. You know, Buddhism has like principles. I mean, there's list and list of different kind of different rules. Uh, for myself, you know, I grew up... Um, Kind of going to church about seven or eight years old. Uh, we used to actually, my mom, um, she was a single parent, and she would uh, send us to church with the neighbors because she worked all the time. 
And so I remember going to church with these neighbors, and, and honest to God truth, they, they were like the Flanders and like the Simpsons. Literally, they were named the Barkers, and there's nothing wrong. I mean, they were good people. But I remember going to church with them, and they always talked about, like, the world, like how bad the world is. And, and the world meant to them was anything that wasn't stamped with a cross or a, a fish or a Bible verse was of the world. So, you know, like examples like, you know, worldly music. Anything that wasn't Christian music was worldly music. And back then, we didn't really have, like, great Christian music. We had, like, Amy Grant. And, and I don't know, see, some of you guys know who Amy Grant is. I, like, Amy Grant wasn't firing me up to follow God, if you know what I mean. And so I remember that. And, and, and even, like, the movies they would watch, I remember they would watch, like, movies that how, how terrible would and awful it would be to live in the tribulations. And I was like, you couldn't watch Goonies? Like, what's going on here? And so I was like, I, I, what's up with these rules? And then I remember, so I stopped going to church with them. I went for a church with them for about a year and a half. And then as, as I grew older, I started seeing different versions of different religions. I started seeing, you know, my family, my dad's side of the family is Catholic. They, they practice Catholic. And, and I remember seeing their rules. And then even I remember in junior high, I, uh, one of my best friends, he was from Iran. He pra- his family practiced Islam and saw their rules. And then... I, you know, going to high school, I saw Mormons and Jehovah's Witness and, and Christianity and all these rules. I mean, there was enough rules going around to make us all feel guilty, you know? To all those make us feel ashamed and, and judged. And so my question today is, what's up with all the rules, right? Why, 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 and why are we so, like, rebelled against them? We just, I mean, many of us have left our childhood faith or even left our faith completely because of this, because these rules. You know, I don't, want, I don't want, you know, this church to control me or the Bible to tell me what to do. And so I'm just not going to even do religion. And so what we're going to talk today is, and generally, is, is literally the context between, like, a relationship between rules and religion. And you think about it. You think about a relationship and, 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 and every, in every rule, there's always an assumption. There's always, you always assume there's some type of relationship. There's always some type of relationship when you think about rules, even in the secular world or in religion. And so to kind of give you an idea of what I'm talking about, I'm going to give you a list of categories. Kind of just made up. But to show you what I mean is you have this family model right here. And then you have this club model. That the family model is literally, let's say you're, you're in this, you're part of family, and since you're a part of this family, and so there's rules, because you're part of this family. It's important because it's, it's, there's rules because you're a member of, of this family. And so certain, certain other families have certain different rules, and I'm sure we would love to like tell other kids and family members how to uh, to. to all their rules and stuff like that, but since you're a part of this family, we have certain rules. Kind of give you an example. This is, this is my family right here. We got my wife, and this is me, and this is, our, this is our son that we are adopting right now. We're in the process of adopting. One of our rules, you gotta be a Bruin, be a part of this family, you know? <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure there's some of you guys who would have different rules on that. 
But to, to be, to, 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 honestly, to be serious about this, that it's not rules make you part of the family. It's because you are part of the family. Rules are established. And so then also you have th- this club model. This club model, uh, rules literally are, are, certain rules happen because you, you join something. Uh, that's when the relationship starts. Because you're in or you begin in something. Give me an example, uh, like a cl- join a, a club. You know, I, I, this week, or actually last month, uh, I joined a club. The club is called Crunch. So you know you're getting results when you're going to a club called cl- Crunch, right? And, and so um, I actually lost six pounds going there. So I, I, just, I just gained it this weekend, you know, this year with Thanksgiving. That's the only problem. But, uh, you know, when I went to Crunch, when I went to this club, there, there is a contract that I have to follow. And so I have to sign a contract that I'm going to pay a certain amount a month and then I, I'm going to, uh, uh, you know, obey by your guidelines. And then since those rules are established, then the relationship starts. You think about, like, you getting hired even as an uh, employee. You know, there's certain rules. Before you get hired, there, there, there's certain rules and expectations that you have to have. You have to come to work on time. In some professions, you have to wear a, a uniform. And then the relationship starts. For college students, you know, it's the same thing applies to like sororities or fraternities. There's, there's a lot of different things. But it's important to understand through this club model, they're, 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 the relationship starts after the rules are established. It's a lot different than the family model. And then this other one kind of just made up here, um, just to kind of get a little chuckles. This is a, the neighborhood association model. And so the neighborhood association model is like, you kind of don't know where you stand. Let's say like you, you, you basically bought a property, and as long as you're okay with all the neighbors, you know, everything's fine. But if, you know, something happens, your, a ball goes over into the lawn, uh, uh, or your dog goes over onto the lawn, or... Your dog fights with another dog, and then there's problems, and then they can't really make you move out, but they can guilt you and shame you to, to you feel like you need to move out. I've, I've never had this problem. I'm just giving examples here uh, of the neighborhood association. But it's important, you know, so with the, these are just all models. And, and, you know, with rules, relationships always start. And so the crazy thing is, you apply these things to like church ideas and you tr- apply these with church systems and you're like, which one is it? Is it the family model? Hey, okay, you're in and it's great that you're in, but you got to obey by the rules. Or is it the, the, the club model where, hey, you're in, but if you don't obey by the rules, you're out of here. Or if it's the neighborhood association and you're in, but you kind of like have to tip your toe, tiptoe your way through and kind of like, if I mess up, I, I don't want to mess up because if I do, you know, I can, people can shame me and guilt me and I, maybe I just want to leave. And how, so how does this work? I mean, because this is a, such an emotional component. Because I, I guarantee a lot of us have been taught this, but we feel like this. And a lot of us have been taught this and we never ever felt like a family. Even though we've been told we feel like a family, never felt like that. And so which one is it and how do we know? 
regardless of how we've been raised through Christianity or, or, or world religion, you know, what, what does God expect from me? And how am I supposed to know? And so to help us kind of wrestle through these questions, uh, we're going to we're going to have a framework, and we're going to go all the way back to, to one of the first laws that was, was ever given. And so it's important. One of the, the first law, one of these first laws in history, this is through Christian liter- literature, Jewish literature. This is even through, believe it or not, Islamic literature. And so one of the laws we're going to talk about is called, oh, let's flip it over. It's called the Ten Commandments. Guys, ever ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Okay. In 1446 BC, the Ten Commandments came on this planet. And so, let, let's get a show of hands. How many of us have, have ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Okay, it's practically all of us. Now, how many of us actually know all ten of them? I guarantee, like, like we know, like maybe like one or two. We know all three, right? I mean. Maybe three, not all ten. And it's like, okay, uh, there's like, you know, I think there's like, thou shalt not commit adultery, and thou shalt not like lie. There's, there's thou not. There's somewhere in thou not, right? And, I, I, and some of us, I, I guarantee, if someone came to us and said, hey, you know, where are the Ten Commandments? Can you show me in the Bible where the Ten Commandments? Some of us were like, uh, it's somewhere in the Bible. It's somewhere in there. And so today, I'm going to tell you where the Ten Commandments are. And so, the, so we're going to say it together. The Ten Commandments are in Exodus. Come on, Exodus. 20. Yeah, see, there you guys. You guys are smart. You know where the Ten Commandments are. Exodus 20. So if anything that you get out of this message, you know where the Ten Commandments are. So that's important. And so the Ten Commandments so, you know, are in Exodus 20. And so before we get to Exodus 20, I, I want to kind of connect the dots. Last week, Chris did an amazing job Chris Boyer did a, a, talked about Abraham. And so we're going to look through, through Abraham, how do we get to the Ten Commandments? And so it, it, Abraham, if you remember from last week, Abraham was promised a, a nation, a nation that would be blessed, the Bible says. And so Abraham, the problem is with Abraham, he couldn't have children. His wife couldn't have children. And so his wife comes up with this idea, horrible idea, but his wife says, you know, I have this maidservant, and so you can, like, you know, hook up with her. And so what happens is that he has a son, and that's Ishmael. Later on, Sarah becomes pregnant, and so she has a son, and his name is Isaac. And so Abraham has two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. And through the Islam kind of, like, that their, their beliefs, they considered Ishmael the son of blessing. And through Judaism and Christianity, they considered Isaac the son of blessing. You know, believe it or not, you know, and it's taught this, that, you know, through, you know, 600 years after Jesus was this man named Muhammad. And he, he, he believed and he taught and his knowledge and he, he, he said that through, through the Arab nation was through Ishmael. And then through Ismail was Abraham. And through Christian and Judaism, it's Isaac. And then you got Jacob. And then you got the 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel. And the story goes, the, the, these, these 12 brothers, there's, there, 11 of them didn't like one. 
this guy named Joseph. And so what they do, they kind of beat him up and they throw him in a pit. And he somehow ends up in Egypt. And he becomes the prime minister. It's a great story. He becomes the prime minister of Egypt. And this great famine happens. And so for him to kind of like, you know, he, 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 God helps him prepare for this great famine for the whole country. And so he takes his, 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 these tribes, his brothers, and takes them to Egypt to rescue them. And so what happens is they're in Egypt, and before you, time flies by, and they're saved. And, and so what happens is these Hebrews, they start, like, multiplying. They start growing fast like rabbits. And so the Egyptians are like, hey, these, these Hebrews, they're growing here. And so we better do something or they're going to take over. And so what happens is, is that they, they become uh, enslaved. The Egyptians enslave them. And so in Egypt, they become a nation, but an enslaved nation. And so you can think about this. You know, imagine they're, they're enslaved for 400 years. 400 years they're enslaved. Generation after generation and generation. And so you can think like, you know, Imagine them hearing these stories about Father Abraham. Ah, oh, you know, he was promised a nation. You know, you know, you can imagine this, this gap of what we're told and the reality of what the situation is here. You know, yeah, yeah, Father Abraham, he, we're going to be blessed. We're have a nation that's blessed. What are you talking about? We're, in, we're slaves here. You're just telling this so that we can believe. You're just telling us so we can have hope. And so what happens is literally out of nowhere, this man named Moses arrives. And he comes and he shows up and goes to Pharaoh. And what does he say to Pharaoh? Let my people go, right? Let my people go. And he says, no. <laughs> he says, no, I'm not going to let your people go. And so what happens is like, you know, nature kind of just gets freaked out. You know, there's like locusts and, 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 and ticks and all these frogs and like the water pollution. And literally, Egypt, like the Egyptian economy gets wrecked. And he goes, let my people go. And we, we know the story. I mean, I believe there's a movie coming out in a couple weeks about this. And so he literally takes his people out of Egypt. And so three weeks later happened, and they're at this foot of this mountain called Sinai, and this is where we're going to take place. And Exodus where? 20. There you guys, you guys paying attention. There we go. Exodus 20. And so, but before we get to these, you think about this, before, these guys, all they know is that they're slaves. They know no law. And so before we even, uh, we look at the Ten Commandments, the first commandment, I want you to see this, this prelude. This is the beginning, this introduction that God brings to them. Because this is huge, because it really defines how much of a relationship and, and, and rules and religion, and how God views things. And so we're going to go to Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. And this is what he says. He says, and God spoke to all these words. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He says, I am the Lord your God. He says, I want you to understand, this is important. 
He says, I am the Lord your God, and who has brought you, has saved you, who's taken you out of this dark place and giving you hope, and you haven't done nothing. He says, before I, I give you all these rules and these laws, I want you to understand that you are mine, and I'm yours. I want to establish this relationship first before we start talking about rules. I mean, it's a beautiful picture of how God goes after our relationship before he even starts talking about rules. They knew nothing about commandments. They knew nothing about rules. Interesting thing, you go back to, to, to Exodus, and, and you go back in Exodus and you see the story and go back to Egypt. And so here, they're in Egypt, all these plagues happen, and, and, and literally, you know, Pharaoh doesn't know what to do. And so, you know, he, Moses goes to the nation of Israel, and he's talking to them, and he says, God wants me to tell you to do something, something very, very important. He says, God wants me to tell you to trust him. That's simply, he simply wants you to trust him. He says, I want you, I want you to, to, to grab a sheep and a, and a lamb. I want you to slaughter it. This is what they did back then. I want you to take a, a, and after you have this meal, I want you to take this blood, and I want you to smear this blood on the door path, on the door, on the doorway, right in front of the door. Whoa, 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 why do you want us to do this? Just trust me. Well, if, why are you telling us to do this? What, what point does it, just trust me, God says. And he says, tonight you're going to leave. You know, tomorrow you're, after tonight you're going to leave. Why, we've been here 400 years. Why do you want to just, just trust me? And so what happens is the majority of the Israelites do this, and it says that this angel came and passed over each doorway. Anyone who did that. It's incredible. Next day, Pharaoh's like, get out of here. I, 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 just go. Leave. And they do the celebration it's called the festival of the Passover. And they do the celebration and remembrance not because of the Ten Commandments, not because of these laws, but it, there's this remembrance of literally God whispering to them, trust me, I'm going to deliver you out of slavery. It's a great picture of how God, we need to trust God and how he wants us to have a relationship with him. And so going on, you know, you know, the first commandment I'm going to show you, but I just want you to understand, before there were any commandments, God just encourages them and say, I just want you to understand that you're my people and I'm yours, and I want to have a relationship with you. And so then the first commandment, you can imagine how, this, how epic this commandment's going to be. This is what God says. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. And all the people are like, duh, Right? You're telling us we shouldn't have any other gods before you. You literally, like, saved us through, like, Egypt. You rescued us through, like, this, this you know, through slavery. Now we have a hope. Now we have, like, a generation of, of hope that, that literally you're giving us. And so you're telling us now we shouldn't have any other gods? Well, put a check on that box because we're not going to have any other gods. But it's important because... The point is, is that there's something to think about that 
the, the, the Ten Commandments was a confirmation of, not a condition of Israel's relationship with God. See, the, the, the Ten Commandments were a confirmation. It wasn't a condition. Okay, you, you do all these Ten Commandments. If you do like eight of them, you're out of here. You do like five of them, let's get going. It, it, it was a confirmation. And so it's, it's just a beautiful picture, again, that, that God is not conditional. It's a confirmation about his relationship. So literally in the very beginning, if you go way back, God made it, God made it very clear with Israel that, hey, you know, you're my people, and, and, and I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to save you, and, and you've done nothing for me, and I just love you. Think about the history, the history of Israel. It, it, the history of God is saying that it, it's the family model. It's not the club model. It's literally God saying, God, with God, relationships precede rules. With God, relationships precede rules. With God, God opts for the family model over the club model. Hey, think about that. And so the question is, you look at, you see how he, he treats Israel. So the question is, well, how does he treat you? How does he treat me? And so what I want you just to see is literally that, you know, it, it, you know if we're serious about this whole Christian thing, you know, this, is, this scrape away, the, you know, what we've learned as children, this really start over with this conclusion that the, the role rule is the rules are a confirmation of our relationship with God, not a condition of our relationship with God. Give you an example about me. You know, uh, when I became a Christian, I was, I was fired up. I had a, a really strong relationship with God. I didn't care about the rules. I was like, I, I just want to follow you. and Whatever you tell me to do, I'm doing. Years gone by, and what happened, my heart started getting chiseled. And uh, things became irrelevant. What happened about seven years ago, um, I literally left God completely. I got into a dating relationship within the church, and I started doing things that weren't based on the Bible. And, and, and I started looking things as a condition. You, well, you guys are just trying to tell me what to do. And what, the, what happened was my relationship with God, the reality of my relationship with God was just damaged. I didn't even have a relationship with God. I focused more on the rules. And so I didn't listen to the rules, and so, you know, I literally damaged my purity. I damaged not just my relationship with God, but, you know, the, the other person's relationship with God that I was with. And so it put me in a dark, dark place. And when I came back, you know, I came back, it took me a while to come back. And not just to church, but to come back with my relationship with God. And I really had to come with the fact that, hey, it's about God. And I'm doing this because of God and not because of these rules. And I'm going to do anything I can to have my relationship with God. And whatever God tells me, I'm doing. And so what happens, uh, you know, I, I end up meeting, having another girlfriend, uh, my wife, doing things the right way. I wouldn't be up here. If, I, if it wasn't for my relationship with God. It's the honest truth. I focused on conditions and about rules and, and not my relationship with God. 
my heart would still be damaged. And so it's important that, that God, you, you see God as a parent. And, 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 and as a parent, he has rules for people who are in his family. You understand that? God has rules for people who are in his family. And this is staggering. Because this, if this is true, you look at the nation of Israel and how they rebelled over and over and over again. And God yet came back to them over and over and over again. He disciplined them over and over and over again. And he's done that to us at times. But he doesn't discipline them to pay them back. He disciplines them to bring them back. It's always about a relationship with God. You know, it's uh, encouraging you, 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 if you, you kind of just look through the Bible and this is the narrative of the Bible and these stories that we're talking about, you know, through, even through, we talked about Abraham. It's not even about Abraham. It's not about the nation of Israel. With God, it's, it's about mankind. It's about all humanity. This is what God says about, if you guys remember from last week, he says, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. He says, all the nations. It's not just your nation Abraham, but he says all the nations will be blessed. It's huge. It says this in Isaiah, he, he says this, he's talking about the nation of Israel, he says, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles. The Gentiles are us, that they may have salvation to reach the end of the earth. What an incredible picture. It's not just about you, Israel. You know, you guys are a light that's shining, but it's more than just you. It's for humanity, for everyone to reach the end of the earth. And so, we, we, you know, we talk about Abraham and the great story and, and then how he, he was blessed in this nation. Then we talk about the nation of Israel and, and the, the relationship God wants for, with them. You take 15,000, 1,500 years later, you see a beautiful picture of Jesus. And Jesus, when he came here, he, he wasn't like, you know, he just, did, he, he required things from us. He also demanded things from us. Before he did that, any of that, what does Jesus say? He says, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. It's about a relationship. John, you know, so, someone who was very close to Jesus, this is what he says about Jesus. He says this in John. He says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who behave. You say that, behave? No, it says believed in his name. He gave them the right to become children of God. Now, think about that. We have an identity as children of God to be a part of his family. It's never about being a, in a club. And so tonight, or today... I really want to, to leave you with this question. We, we, uh, normally in every service, we, we leave everyone with a question. And so today I want to leave you with this question. I want you to think about this. You know, when you grew up, did you feel like religion was based on the family model, the club model, or the neighborhood association model? I'm serious. I really want you guys to, if, you know, going to lunch or, you know, having a time with your friends or family to, to be out loud and talk about this. Was it like the family model? Hey, you're in, but you know, there's this expectation God wants from you. Or is it the club model? Hey, you're in, but if you mess up, you're out of here. 
Or is it the neighborhood association model? Well, you're in, but you just kind of just don't mess up or you're just going to get guilted out. So I really want you guys to think about this. And so, you know, before we pray right now, I just want just to end it with this. You know, with rules, it's about us climbing up. The grace of the gospel is God coming down to us. And so it's important that God wants us to have a relationship with them. The rules are important, but it helps us to live with them one another. It helps us to obey his authority. But please, I encourage you to value your relationship with God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to come before you and just thank you so much that we have a relationship with you because of the cross, because of what you've done. We have a relationship with you, and I pray we don't let that go. I pray we don't let things distract us with conditions and rules and all these things that can just be in the way of our, of our relationship with you. Please bless this day. Please bless our hearts. Help us to be humble before you, God, and to see you how you want us to be as our Father and that you want us to be a part of your family. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. So what we're going to do now, if uh, you can stand up, um, you guys back there, we're, we're going to have a baptism. So if you can stand up, we're going to head all the way in the back, and we're going to close it out with a baptism. Check, check, one, two. All right. Hi, guys. Um, my name is Colleen Reyes. I'm part of the Chino Hills Marrieds. And I'm really excited because today my sister, my physical sister, Donna Parker, is getting baptized. And um, there's so much I could say. I've known her all my life. Um, but I'm really excited for you, Donna. I'm really excited for your family. Um, our family's gone through a lot of adversity. There's been a lot of tragedy. There's been, there's been a lot. And um, God's really moved in your heart. And it's so inspiring for me to see you make Jesus your Lord. And um, I just want to encourage everyone out there, don't give up on your family. I've waited 23 years for my sister to come to church. And she's here, so. <laughs> Donna, I just want to say it's been a pleasure to study the Bible with you. You've been so uh, vulnerable and open and just seeing, you know, like, like she shared, how much you've gone through to get to this point. I'm so grateful that you've decided now to give your life over to God's way, not your way. 
So I love you.